You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a, a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like the Phoenix, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better. Do better. We'll pay. We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. All right, it's official. This meeting is being recorded. We are here with David Osorio, owner of CrossFit South Brooklyn. In my opinion, David, it's simply Ackerman's opinion. So take it for what it's worth. Most successful box in the world. Most uh, successful CrossFit affiliate uh, in the world. I don't want to argue with you. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know. Come on. No, I, I think we, we do all right. It's hard to know. I mean, I think success is so relative. Um, but we do okay. We've been around for a while. So I'll accept the compliment. I'll say that. I don't think it's accurate, but it's I'll accept it. Well, let me, let me tell you why I think you're the most successful. And for the listeners, David has not shown me his books, but I can do some member math. Uh-huh. And I've A, been to the box, which, so I think it's, it's multifaceted. It's one, I've been to a box and the community is strong. And it's 100% what Fern and I talk about. It's trickle down. You walk into that box, it looks like David lives here. <laughs> I mean, the art in the bathrooms match the ink on his arms. And it's just, the vibe is really, really cool. And I think that's something completely overlooked. You and I spoke about that when you've been on the show in the past, but I think, man, CrossFit hit a, hit a time when it was like, hey, we have to be the shiny gym and blah, blah, blah. And we lost sight of, no, what's really cool is when it has a vibe to it. Like a coffee shop, you know, you go to Starbucks, you want a quick coffee, you know what you're getting. You go to the local spot down the road because you know they're playing Avril Lavigne or whatever is going. I don't know why I just said, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. But but let me go. Let me go on. Y- you seem to be having a really good time from a distance. From what I can see in your life, you don't look overly burdened by the box. Meaning, you clearly still spend a lot of time there. You clearly still put in a lot of work, but you also have a very, you know robust life outside of it. I mean, your social life and I see pictures of you and, and, and your friends and family. And, 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 and lastly, the, the community looks like they're having a good time and they're getting fitter. Yeah, um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I know like to speak to that first note, you know, about 
how, um, you know, there was a movement towards like the flashy box or whatever it is, the very kind of cookie cutter and very clean lines type situation, which is great. You could, there's so many ways you can be successful. But when I started the business, like from, from, from before it started, I wanted that place. Like you're taking a road trip and you pull over and there's this unexpected little shop that's been there for, you know, however many years or decades. And there's, you know, all sorts of random stuff on the wall and it feels like authentic. It feels like something that could never be replicated you know, anywhere else, because it's so just true to that moment in time and that community and the people there. So that's what I wanted. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, the vibe of the gym, it's, it's, it's clean, it's organized, but it tries to maintain a little bit, you know, that kind of rough around the edges, a little bit of character, um, you know, the old school gym days where like each gym was, you know, a whole new surprise. You'd walk in and you'd look at the stuff they have on their walls and, and all the little relics that they've, they've built up over the years. Um, so that's definitely the, the vibe and the look I was going for. Um, so thank you, you. Let me ask you a question with that being said, is there anything that at one point, you know, when you first opened, cause you opened in what, six or seven, 2006 or seven? 2007. Right. Same, same year. You actually, I believe when it used to be listed chronologically, we were like three or four boxes apart oh, yeah. on the sidebar. Is there any, anything that at one point you had up in South Brooklyn, and I know you've relocated a handful of times, but that now in 2021, you're like, ah, ah, maybe we put that back up. Um, you know, honestly, nothing comes to that, that we would not put back up. Is that what yeah, you said? I don't know. Was there a poster that you're like, hey, this could, yeah, could it be offensive or no, I don't anything think was, like that? No, there was nothing really like that. I'll tell you though, I mean, kind of on a related note to try to answer your question, we, um, during our closure, I ended up taking down our leaderboards um, and we did some other kind of like wholesale changes kind of to the programming style and some things that we did. But um, I took down the leaderboards and I, you know, it's the kind of thing that like we had them up for, you know, 12 years plus. Um, I took them down. I didn't think they were super reflective of the actual capacity to the people. Like, you know, when you've been around as long as we have, you might have that guy or girl who was there for like six months in 2008 you know, blasted some amazing times or something like that. And then people are like, who the hell is that person? Um, so I think that like, you know, we took down those boards and nobody really missed them. And maybe that's just the culture of our gym. I don't know. But that's the only thing that we've taken down that I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm good for not having those up. Um, I also felt like the weight stuff was like, it's not weight class based. So it's like, you know, you just have the biggest and strongest, you know, guy and gal who happen to put up the biggest, you know, deadlift, but it's not truly reflective. Obviously you can work around with the weight classes and stuff like that, but we just decided like, you know, I, I don't know how beneficial this really is. And, and we took those down. Did you get any pushback from the members about that? No, no. Yeah, I, That's interesting. I think that's something similar, like 2007, eight, I remember buying electrical tape and shower board at Home Depot. And exactly, you know, that's exactly what we had, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. It's kind of like, hey, we preach this. You're not competing with others. You're competing with yourself. Yeah. Yet here we have that leaderboard. And I think that's totally accurate. Somebody comes in for a month in 2009, throws down a two minute grace and their name's been on that leaderboard for 13 years. Yeah. You know, the meanwhile, they, to the point where people on staff don't even know who the hell that person is, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that it's like, you know, the people who are competitive in your gyms will find ways to be competitive, to track their progress, compete against the other competitive people. But really I would say the vast majority of our membership are just there to have a good time, get a good workout in, have fun. Um, 
you know, be safe and, and, and enjoy their hour. Um, so I, we got some, one of the other things I mentioned, some program changes that like we stopped doing RXs. We don't have any RXs in our workouts and that's made things so much easier. And that we got a lot of positive feedback on like a ton. Um, and I know I'm not alone, you know, doing that. I know there's other gyms that I've talked to who have done the same thing, but you know, you end up, you have to describe the workout, the flavor and the intent anyway. It's not like you're doing anything you're not already doing about this should be heavy. This should be two to three sets per round. Um, you know, given those coaching points, but when we took that off, there's never anybody who's like reaching for something that they really shouldn't be doing because they have this somewhat arbitrary, you know, notion on the board that, oh, I, you know, I'm a guy, so I have to do 95 pounds, whether I'm, you know, 215 pounds or I'm, you know, hundred pounds. Um, so that, that was, that was really positive, I think. And that we had a lot of positive feedback from members just to be like, oh, I really like not having to worry about the RX anymore. And we might sometimes give a, a slant of like five weights that they might choose from, right? So like this would be kind of on the very heavy end, what you might do, it might be 315, you know, on the lighter end, it might be 95 or less, et cetera. But that's something that I think has really kind of freed up the programming. And I think that, you know, RX is obviously makes sense in competitive CrossFit, but competitive CrossFit is very different than affiliate programming, in my opinion two very, very different things and different attitudes and intentions. Um, so, so that's, so that's, in, that, that's really interesting. We talk about an RX month where we recommend that boxes do exactly what it sounds like you've done, not, not for the entire year. So you, when you say that, I assume gymnastics have an RX. In other words, you're saying, Hey, today we're doing thrusters and pull-ups, mm -hmm. but, but the, but the, movement the weightlifting doesn't have an rx regardless yes. of what the workout is exactly yeah so i mean and i i wouldn't it's funny i don't know if i would call that an rx i mean it would like you say strict chin-ups is, is you know in the workout today i guess that would technically be the rx um but we'll have like the description of the workout we'll have what the workout is and then there's always notes below it that kind of talk through each of the movements so it's like oh if you know if you don't have strict chin-ups consider kipping pull-ups or ring rows or what the options are for today the specific red and step schemes so it's kind of like, you know, scalar. So everything would be like, you know, strict pull-ups is version one, version two is going to be kipping pull-ups. Version three is a banded pull-up, you know, at half volume or whatever it is. Um, and then version four is a ring row so that everybody can kind of just look on that, that ladder and just jump in where they need to. So I guess technically, you know, that would be RX, but we just kind of get away from the mindset of like, this workout was done RX or not. It's just, you did a workout. You're a person who came in and did your workout, you know? Uh, what, what do you, what do you use to track the workouts? You know, for example, Wattify, Sugar Water, what, what do you guys, I believe we're using Zen Planner back in the day. We're still using Zen Planner for our memberships, um, but we use Beyond the Whiteboard. So, and we actually- Yeah, have, that's right. You, uh, you do yeah. all the videos and whatnot. That's right, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, because Mo and a bunch of those guys, those guys from uh, Beyond the Whiteboard are members. Some of them have moved out of the city since, but. So we have a really good relationship with them. Um, they plug our workouts into, uh, into uh, what's it called? Into their, you know, their app. Um, but, you know, we communicate it internally just through, we've got a Google doc and then it, that feeds into uh, our Google calendar. What? I don't want to knock beyond the whiteboard. I, I think it's a great platform and I've used it in the past, but why do you think it's kind of, and maybe it's just I'm not seeing it, but yeah. to me, from an outside perspective, I feel like less affiliates are using it. Is that is that accurate, or am I just I not know. seeing it? So I'm biased. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know, um, you know, it's relative market share. I think for us, it was just like, you know, I'm always like, if there's people in our, in our community that have a business and, and we're able to support them and, you know, they've been around forever. They're, you know, so true to the, to like, I think like what they want, their, their, their goal is really in line with our goal and our, our vibe and our essence. Um, and I'm sure there's other great, you know, I know people use Wattify and stuff. I'm honestly, I just don't know anything about those, those companies. I like beyond, It's been a long time. I think beyond the whiteboard was really ahead of its time, especially in the CrossFit sure. space. I, yeah. I would, I would recommend, you know, obviously I think, I think the pros to sugar water. And again, I'm not, I don't have any skin in this game, but simplicity, like, I think that's part of it. Like, you know, mm. I, I got involved in crypto, like I'm putting money into crypto. <laughs> I, I highly recommend you buy Bitcoin, but you know, some of the platforms are like, Oh fuck, this is so, I need it, you know, to get a PhD in order to use it. And I think beyond the whiteboard could have a little bit of that going on. I think they've got a lot of functions, but as just on the user end, I just put in what I need to put in and it's straightforward. You know, I put in my workout, but you can do like nutrition tracking, weights, pictures, all sorts of stuff, badges, and there's a social element. You know, I just put in my workout and I'm good to go. You're wearing a Rob Van Dam shirt. I just want to touch on this in case anyone's watching the YouTube version of this. Did you watch the recent documentary on him? It was really good. I did. I did. Yeah. Uh, he was a, uh, my he was my favorite wrestler growing up for sure. I used to sneak down uh, after my parents fell asleep because they would play ECW at like two in the morning or something on the local broadcast. I grew yeah, up you were getting it from so, Philly. Yeah, so I would sneak down to my basement and watch ECW and and came up with that whole era. So the, the you know I I was always so jealous because all the wrestlers would swing by your box. Yeah, man. But it's been it's been like a year and a half, so. I know. But from what I hear, they're going back on tour. So are you excited to get like John Cena and Seth Rollins and Cesaro to come back to the to the box? Yeah, they're going back on tour. We were looking; they haven't announced any Brooklyn dates. Um, I don't know if they're doing like more open air arenas or stuff first. I'm not sure what the deal is, but um, yeah, we're looking for it because it's such a highlight. It happens like two or three times a year on average, where they all come in and come to the gym, and it's awesome. And they'll always give us you know front row seats or like really great seats. It's it's, it's a it's a great time. And my girl, I see it on your, your Instagram stories. You're always like right up front and I'm so upset. That's the, the, if somebody said, what do you miss about owning a box? I would say that I miss the <laughs> WWE because they would swing by Albany and then they would give us tickets. That's awesome. Yeah. I grew up like super, super into it, like hardcore into wrestling, pro wrestling. And then, um, you know, fell out of it, out of like attitude era type stuff. And then the, my best friend from college was hired as a writer for them. So that kind of, began to pull me a little bit more into it. And then they started coming to the gym. So I would go and see the current product. And then my girlfriend, actually, um, I met her and she was like a huge wrestling fan. So like all these things oh, in my yeah? life inspired at the same time to like draw me back in. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's good fun. It's a perk and it's like as someone who's like super into it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fucking, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Who impressed you the most? Which wrestler came in and you're like, oh, that dude is, whether it's fit or strong? Well, I mean, honestly, all of them in, in their own way. Um, John Cena, man, that dude's forearms are like my thighs. Like he is someone, he's not a huge guy, but he's just built like a fucking tank. Um, so he had a very imposing presence. There's this guy, Seamus and Cesaro, which are bigger guys too. Like, I'm like, you know, we'd like to take the group picture at the end and I'm like, I look like a 10 year old kid. <laughs> like, 
like, yeah, Cesaro is, is he's he's freakishly strong. He's very strong, very strong. They all, I mean, they all are. Yeah. So 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 speaking of with with you know wrestling not traveling, New York was hit extremely hard during the pandemic. I mean, four shutdowns and and for longer than most states, I've, I had a good friend of mine, Jess, who owns multiple yoga studios in upstate New York, and we were talking about it. Now that you're back open, what were some of the things that you did during the break or during the pause or pandemic, whatever you want to refer to it as, that allowed you to you know, maintain the success at South Brooklyn? Yeah. Uh, so just for, so for context, like in New York, we were, we were closed for five and a half months. Uh, we closed on March, March 15th and we reopened September 2nd. Um, and, you know, I mean, there was, it was definitely, it was by far, by far, by far the most stressful year of my life and continues to be, you know, even on the tail end of things. Um, I mean, I think there's, you know, it's kind of like, it was a year where everything mattered and like, you know, everything kind of always matters. But like just to the umph degree in terms of like the relationships, the decisions you make, your messaging, um, how you reopen, how you communicate, everything. And then, you know, with CrossFit blowing up in that, in that interim as well, too, it was just uh, a super highly charged and, and I think sensitive time to, you know, be very cognizant of, of, you know, your values and what you're doing and why you're doing. So, you know, kind of looking somewhat retrospectively back at it. Number one is that like, you know, it really makes you appreciate the investments that you put into people when things are good, because that comes back around, you know, in times of crisis. So one, and a lot of gyms had this experience where, you know, their members floated them for months and months, you know, we had no idea we'd be closed for, for half a year, essentially. Um, and we had so many members who maintained their memberships, even if they weren't taking our virtual classes, doing whatever, you know, it, it just like words of support and, 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 you know, people were really invested and this was, it was really, you know, we, we all know how important the community is and these relationships are because we see them and experience them every day, but it just became more apparent when we were closed down and we had such an, some outpouring of, of love and, and support and especially to see relative to other businesses where you can't make those same level of relationships. So like the coffee shop where, you know, you maybe you're friendly with the people, but it's not the same level of relationship between a coach and, and a trainee, et cetera. So it just really made me appreciate the type of work that we're in where, where people will show up for you um, no matter what. I think that, um, you know, and same thing with staff, like we, we tried to do our best. We were lucky to not have to let anybody go um, through the pandemic. We had four coaches who voluntarily left the city, um, you know, who, who chose to move, use that as an opportunity for a catalyst for a change in their life. Where'd they go? Austin, Texas? No, uh, Ohio, Montana, and then California, Connecticut. California, uh, really? It seems like you're going from one uh, <laughs> bad choice to another. But so how, how were your members during it? For a lot of affiliates, they, they did get support from their members and they continued to pay. Obviously, you know, with New York being shut down for so long, it's a, it's a long time to continue to pay your dues. And, and living in New York, you know, your, your membership rates reflective of the area, but they're a little more than, than For say, sure. you know, your, your box here in, you know, Boulder. So did, did you even give them the option to support the box? During closure? Yeah. During those five months. 
Yeah, I mean, we had people who kept their memberships on. We had some people who kept them on the entire time. They never missed a beat, you know, missed a payment from, from closing to opening. And then we had, you know, some people who held on for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, half the time, three, you know, it's all over the place. We had a really active virtual class. We actually still have AM virtual classes. Um, I think we're one of the few gyms that are able to keep it up a little bit. And we're still getting about 10 or so people in our morning virtual class. Why are you doing that? Well, we started it when we were closed. And, you know, we had daily offerings, Pilates, mindfulness, yoga, our main workout class, active recovery. We had a few different things, our kids programs. And honestly, it was just like, well, I'm just going to keep running it until it's not profitable. You know, so we had a we had a membership for 185, which was a virtual membership, which we created when we were getting closer to opening. And we we're like, all right, we're going to have a virtual membership and we're going to have our normal membership. And, you know, lo and behold, there was a lot of people who weren't ready to come to the gym, didn't want to come back um, or just got into the flow with the virtual classes and it was really convenient for them and, and it turned out to be a, a good solution for them. Um, but I think that like the reason our, our virtual program, you know, did so well and I think it's the same reason our gym has been around as long as it has is because of the coaches. You know, it was like the investment showing up for people, being engaged, making it fun, you know, making the most out of, out of you know, not a great situation. Um, so yeah, so we still have classes. I, I anticipate this month will be our last um, where we offer the morning classes. Um, but again, it was just sort of like, you know, I, when we reopened, I was like, oh, this thing's gonna go bust pretty soon. But like, we actually had an increase after we reopened in terms of virtual memberships and people signing up and people from other gyms who had stopped their virtual programs who wanted to continue and then joined us because they found us somehow. That's um, cool. Was was there a moment during this time where you thought this might be it? Like we might have to shut down? I think that I didn't think I was quite there. I was like, you know, we have enough support from the, we have enough, you know, coming in from the members who are still active and support and, and, you know, we're, we're not too big to fail, but like it, it, uh, I didn't think we'd get to that point. Um, I just didn't know how much we would have to contract. Um, you know, one thing I'll say kind of to your original question that kind of falls in line with that too, is that we were able to get two rounds of PPP, which was extremely helpful. And the reason we were able to do that is because every single employee is a W-2. So the PPP calculations are all based on your payroll. So there's a ton of gyms that got hit really hard because everyone's a 1099, you know? So I've got like that, I felt good about too, where I was like, you know, I think it's, in my opinion, it's like, if these are employees, they should be treated as such. They're not independent contractors, right? And I think a lot of gyms try to skirt and try to like shortchange, you know, their expenses by just, I oh, will put everyone as a 1099. And I think that bike comes back to bite you in the ass in a few ways in terms of just like retention and loyalty of, of staff and employees, um, you know, in terms of the basic ethics of it and investment in your people. But that was all, you know, we wouldn't have gotten, you know, any money really if everyone was 1099. So I, I ran into that a lot talking to other affiliates who are like, oh, our whole staff is 1099s. We have one person technically on the books and we got no PPP. So, you know, I felt good about like, we've done this the right way forever. Every single person, front desk staff, coaches, everybody is a, 10, is a W-2. So that was something that was like, I felt like that was kind of an investment in people that came back to help me in a, in a very meaningful way. So so the two PPP loans really helped keep us above water because we, 
we paid full rent. We didn't have any breaks the entire five and a half months and our rent's over $30,000 a month. So it's nothing, it's nothing to sneeze at. Um, That might be the most expensive rent in all of Prospect. Yeah, because we have three leases. We have the two buildings across the street from each other and the second floor on one of them. So we have technically three leases. Um, And yeah, my landlords were just like, tough shit, pay your rent, you know? Like they weren't mandated to, there was no canceled rent or anything like that. So that helped us really get through that. You know, we also kept our um, employees on their health insurance active. Even if they um, came off of employment for a, for a period of time, we kept their health insurance active as like an investment in them. Um, and we just paid the full health insurance. We paid hundred percent. Like we do 80, 20 split. So the gym pays 80% of our coaches health insurance. They pay 20%. And then during closure, we just kept everyone active. Um, and like I said, like those investments come back to you. Yeah. I just want the listeners to hear that. And it's like, what came first type of thing, right? Like, did you have a successful box? So then you decided to reward the coaches or did you take care of your people? And now you have a successful box. What, when, I assume when you first opened, I know you started in the park, you know, and, and all that. And you can listen, Dave and I spoke about that on a previous episode, but was there a period of time where everyone working for you was a 1099 or an independent contractor? I don't think, I'm trying to remember, maybe, maybe in the very beginning, and I probably just, in the very early days, I probably just paid cash, to be honest with you, <laughs> like the, the early, the dark age. Yeah. Um, but um, no, there was never a period, like once we started to build out a staff, everyone was a, was a W-2. Um, you know, and like I had, I had come from, I think we talked about it in the first time we, we had a, uh, sat down together for the podcast was that, you know, I came from, I was a working trainer, you know, I had worked at big box gyms. I had, you know, gone to school for exercise science. So I came into the affiliate ownership team from the perspective of what it's like to be a working coach, a working trainer, you know, and, and. I think a lot of affiliate owners don't have that perspective. They've never been up at 4 a.m., you know, five days a week and, and you know, done the, the morning shift, the afternoon block, the evening shift, you know, seven, eight sessions a day, and then, you know, for pennies on the dollar. So I think, you know, for, for me, it was really important to like, no, this is a business. I'm not going to push my, my uh, tax and financial obligations onto the people who are working for me. That, yeah, that's really important because I think so many box owners get frustrated that their, you know, coaching staff isn't doing what they expect or, you know, stepping up or putting in more work. And it's like, well, are you taking care of them? Because that's a really big deal. Most of those coaches don't know enough to put money aside for taxes. You know, they're certainly not getting health insurance. So I think that's really awesome. Do you ever look back? I do all the time. Like I was working at Gold's Gym for $8 an hour and was like, I remember in like 2004, five, six, I'm like, man, if I can just make $36,000 a year, that's all I ever need. Like that's more than enough money. Like I'm going to be the trainer till I'm, you know, 50, 60 years old, wearing a fanny pack, you know, <laughs> Zubass pants. And now, you know, both of us have had a fair amount of success. You ever look back and reminisce on those meager days? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I remember working, you know, for YMCA Equinox and getting like 15 to 25 bucks, you know, on the hour for my session, especially Equinox where like 
they were they were paying like over a hundred, I think. And the coaches were getting the trainers were getting like, you know, 20, 25 bucks or something like that. If you were like a tier one employee at the time. And uh, you know, you just made it work. And like, you know, I've always been a little bit uh I live within my means, you know. I always try to, you know, I'm not someone who needs like flashy, flashy shit or whatever. Um, and I I've like since I was in high school, basically, but really since college, I was like everything's about reinvesting in this business and just making my own financial footprint as small as possible so that I can grow this thing. Um, but yeah, so it's like, you know, we had, you know, at the gym in the early days, obviously you as the owner, you do everything, but like we had a, you know, we didn't have a front desk. We had a pencil pouch. We had an honor system membership for years. It was just said, please leave $20. And it was just honor system every day. That was it. Leave 20 bucks in the envelope and then come get a workout in. Um, so I look fondly on those days, but, um, it's nice to have a little bit more wiggle room and a little it, more comfort it, now. Yeah. It's just, it's just, you know, it's crazy how far CrossFit has come and that affiliate ownership is not just like, Hey, you're the trainer that now owns their own space. There, there are plenty, you know, if not thousands, hundreds of CrossFit affiliates for sure that you know, the, the owner's making six plus figures. I think that notion of you'll, you'll never be, you know, whether rich is the right word, uh, owning a box is, is obsolete at this point. Yeah, for sure. So you're, you're also the district rep for New York and New Jersey. How did, how did that come about? Did, uh, did you give Castro a buzz and say, put me on? No. Um, I, I think that, so they had, you know, he set that roll up when there was a big transition. I think that was still pre-Eric, uh, pre-Rosa, when that initially got launched. And, um, you know, like everything we're having with CrossFit. And I think that, you know, with the new leadership coming in, I was like, this is a good opportunity, I think, in many ways for us to manifest the company that we always kind of wish we had a little more of, um, especially because in the, in the years prior to that, you know, the two years or so CrossFit had been contracting so much in terms of like getting rid of the knee department and, you know, social media and all the things that you're like, what are you guys doing? Like, what is going on? Or why are we trying to sink this ship? Um, so, you know, my name was floated for uh, New York, New Jersey um, by a couple of people and they just reached out to me and said, hey, are you interested? And I was like, you know, if I'm going to be part of this, I want to be as much as I can catalyst for, for positivity in it. And, and, you know, like I, I love talking shop. I love sharing what we do. Um, I don't want to be a guy. Like I'm not looking to be any sort of like personality, like I don't care, like, but, but I want to help. So this was a perfect opportunity to, uh, to, to meet with affiliates and it's been great. And it was actually kind of a, a perfect timing because you know, I still, I, I weekly, I talk to affiliates. Um, uh, we get on zoom calls and we, you know, talk shop and they have questions about, you know, things they're doing and their practices and how would I go about that? And I give my perspective and stuff or help connect people. But I think now more than ever, it was so great to have a network of other affiliate owners because, you know, you know, being, being the owner is really isolating, you know, um, it's an extremely isolating experience to be, especially without partners being, um, being any, any sort of business owner. And, um, you know, you could have the best staff in the world and people who care will bend over backwards for you, but you know, no one really gets that view from the top unless you're there and all the stress and, and everything comes with it. So just being able to, to be honest and vulnerable 
and, and, you know, give other affiliate owners space to just sort of, you know, decompress a little bit and, you know, realize like, you're not alone. Like, yes, the whole fucking world's upside down right now. And like, and, and, you know, and it's also like that we're all human. Like you look from the outside and you're like, Oh, you know, South Brooklyn is like amazing. It's this and that, but like, we're all just human. We all have our faults. We all have our shortcomings. We all have the things that, you know, where we, we wish we could do over or whatever. Um, so I think it was, it's been really great also just to connect on such a human level with so many other affiliate owners. And I know for just personally, for me, it's been really, really helpful. Um, but I think it's been helpful for a lot of other folks that I've been able to connect with as well. What are some of the common themes you hear from the box owners in New York and New Jersey? What are the biggest problems they face? Obviously getting back into the swing of things like you mentioned with the pandemic, but what are some other things that you hear pretty often? Um, so like all I, the things that affiliates want from, from CrossFit more of probably the most consistent thing is marketing, um, better marketing, meaning like, you know, CrossFit has the ability, has the voice and the platform to really show what happens in an affiliates and who are the real kind of people that go to affiliates, you know, not the games athletes, obviously like, you know, so, you know, the, the public perception of CrossFit, the, the, the marketing, the image of it, you know, globally, I think that affiliates want CrossFit to, to put that in like, and, and invest more into that. And I think they have, and, you know, they're, they're moving that direction for like reshaping the image of what CrossFit is, who goes to a CrossFit gym, things like that. So, you know, support on marketing so that people can get, you know, more folks coming into their gym and they don't have to explain what CrossFit is and these misconceptions about it. You know, a lot of people come into the door with an idea of it and it could be any number of things. So, you know, having a, a more consistent and concise voice from the top, educating the public in general about what CrossFit is, what happens to affiliates and who goes there. Um, you know, we have been talking about, um, you know, why we basically, you know, another common thing is why we as affiliates have not been able to leverage our purchasing power collectively to get better deals on things like equipment, cleaning supplies, et cetera. And right now they're piloting a program It's starting in the Northeast. Um, but they are doing exactly that. They're basically putting, you know, vendors together and being like, Hey, you as an affiliate can go to your portal you'll have access to all these cleaning products and these things we buy and we can buy them you know, all in one spot at a better rate. Um, so they're working on that. Um, you know, other stuff is like a lot of affiliates want, and like the, the, the mantra that, that CrossFit has right now is like tools, not rules, trying to provide tools for affiliates, but not, you know, putting them in a box of this is how, how it has to be done. And that's a difficult thing to do because like you want to give kind of suggestions and best practices, but you know, there's obviously multiple ways to skin a cat. So not kind of like, you know, pigeonholing yourself. This is the one way you have to do this thing. Um, so like, you know, some of those tools that people are asking for too, is like, you know, a hiring, like somewhere where I can go and see who are the coaches that are looking for work. So not just like, you know, the posting of all the people with level ones, level twos, but like in my area, who is looking for work and what affiliates are hiring for what kinds of roles, because right now, especially, I just went through, I hired two people and it was really rough. I've never, I, I've never hired, I've never put out a wanted ad, like a, we're hiring ad in 13 years. And that was the first time, you know, very recently I do that. And it was really tough. And I was like sending DMs and I was like calling affiliates and I was just reaching out to everyone I knew. And it's like, man, it's like crazy. There's not a better way that I can just go to some database and be like, look at all these, you know, coaches looking for work right now in my area. And I can reach out to them and, and set up an interview. 
Um, so it's like, it's, it's general support, you know, I think it's more, and, and having someone to talk to is really good. So having someone you can like, you know, bounce ideas off of. So that's part of the, the district rep role is that I'm essentially a liaison between CrossFit and the affiliates. And, and I'm someone there that, you know, at, you know, two in the morning, you can send an email to and be like, Hey, can we set up a meeting tomorrow? I have some questions. Um, so that's been particularly helpful for newer affiliates too, where folks just getting into it with a million questions and, you know, instead of making all the mistakes that I made and you and you and I made in the early days, you know, helping them, um, you know, it's like the stuff you're doing with the affiliate university, just, you know, resources for, for affiliates. Um, so they don't just go at it alone. I love that expression. The tool is not rules. I think that's really cool because, you know, during the whole pandemic, obviously we also got hit with the coach Glassman thing Yeah, and, you know, many people de-affiliated and I think, yes, a lot had to do with him and, and the tweet and all of that. But there was this idea that they're not getting enough from CrossFit. But as you know, it's an affiliate and we're paying at most $3,000. And I think at the time, a lot of affiliates were not understanding or at least their expert, their expectations were a little bit unrealistic. Yeah. So it, 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 you know, and then I think this district rep role came from that and now they do have someone like you with a ton of experience expertise and you know success to be able to lean on so it's it's, it's just great that they, they you know i think crossfit hears what's going on and a lot of times it's like well we told you this three months ago why isn't it changed and it's like how about you give us you know yeah six months a year and i think um you know being in a little bit more of the belly of the beast for the first time ever I, uh, it, you know, you see how the sausage is made. It, it's, it takes a lot. It's a big ship, you know, and it's like, we're used to being, you know, small business owners that like, oh, we should do this thing. And we just do it, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, we send an email like, all right, this is the new schedule or this is the new, whatever, the payment structure, whatever. And I think you can appreciate like, it doesn't work like that when you're that big. And, you know, it takes a lot of work and a lot of communication and a lot of resources and, and money to make all this happen. And I think that like, you know, it's, it's, I agree with you that a lot of affiliates are like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Right. And it's like, you know, you're not paying that much. You know, it's, we have this crazy notion that $3,000 a year is a lot of money to be part of, you know, to have the, the, the name as part of your affiliate and things like that. Like it's not that much money, you know, relative, it's a relative to a franchise, you know? So a lot of people want what you would get with a franchisee model but don't want to pay anywhere near what it would cost. So there's a balance there. There's a, there's a, a delicate balance, I think, between like expectations and what you're getting and what you're paying for and, and things like that. Um, yeah. And it's evolving still. It's still evolving. Well, yeah, not just to mention the $3,000, which yes, for those of you that are going to hate on David, yes, it's a lot of money, but what he said was relative to a franchise model. So, you know, $3,000 is a lot, but I mean, if you ever look into opening a McDonald's, a, you know, any sort of fast food restaurant, it's, if not tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands up front, yeah. plus, you know, a percentage of, of what you're bringing in, et cetera. And the other aspect of that, that I think box owners fail to recognize, they only want the good. Like, hey, yeah. if you get more, there's going to be a lot more rules too. It's not going to be tools, not rules. It's going to be rules and rules. Like, this yeah. is the color you wear. These are the 
hours you're open. These are the workouts you program. So I think that's a bigger component to it than most people recognize. Yeah, for sure. Do you, for sure. Do you see a lot of, I don't want you to out anybody, but are there some dumb questions coming in from these affiliates? Okay, let's not say dumb because you're, you're much nicer than I am. Questions where you're like, really? Are you asking me this? I think there are things like scenarios that someone might present that from the outside, um, you know, seem nonsensical or, or, you know, man, how could you gone to this scenario? But I think that like, you know, it's really easy to judge from the outside. Like we've all done things or been, whether it be in like a problematic relationship or, you know, had things in our lives that like we justify and justify and justify. Like, so like, I'll give a fake example of like, you have a, you know, really terrible coach who's, you know, slept with 20 of the women in the gym already and has a bad reputation. And from the outside, you're like, obviously fire this jabroni. Like, you know, what is wrong with you? You know, but like that affiliate owner might have this relationship and they feel like they owe this person and they have this sense that how can we possibly run the gym without them? And, you know, and, and not to, to validate that, that act, those actions at all, but like, I think that you have to look at from the, like, we're all, we're all very fallible. And a lot of times in my experience, things that kind of seem the most like, wow, I can't believe you're doing that ultimately come from a good place of them trying to help someone or give someone a second chance or, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think that you, you have to look at it from a very human and empathetic perspective of like on the outside, it's very obvious. Um, and you hear that a lot. So you'll do like round tables. We, we have the round table program, um, which we just did the finish the pilot of. And that's where you're meeting with up to nine affiliates every other week. And there's like these prompts that you go through and people become very vulnerable and talk about what they're doing. And most people get there. So once you start asking the right questions, you know, people will be like, yeah, I guess they did do this. You know, I should do that. How would you feel? You know, like people can get to that end on their own. They just sometimes need that reflection or that person to be asking the right questions. Definitely not telling them what to do. You know, so if I say, Jason, you're an idiot, just fire this guy. You're just going to put up a wall to me and be like, well, he don't, you don't get it. You don't understand all the nuance around this situation, whether or not there actually is. Well, um, considering I think you're describing a scenario from Albany CrossFit circa okay. 2009. But, you know, and, and I think a lot of that is also, you know, speaking from that empathy perspective, you know, we forget like, hey, maybe that's your only coach and maybe right. you got two kids at home and your wife is, you know, going to divorce you if you spend more time at the box. So you keep on the wrong people because that's all you can do right now. So, yeah, I think, you know, you probably witnessed as well that, transformation and, and growth mindset in CrossFit where I think I don't often give people answers because there is no right answer. Everything is really, you know, subjective. And th there is, I love saying there's no right or wrong in CrossFit. There's no black and white. There's a whole lot of gray. And yeah. if you, if you try to pigeonhole or you try to plug and play a CrossFit affiliate, it's not going to work. Yeah. And I think that like we as affiliate owners straddle these two lines of a business owner and a community leader. And those are two very different things, you know, where things that you will tolerate, not tolerate as a business owner, as a community leader, you try to be more flexible, accommodating, empathetic, patient, et cetera, with, um, and vice versa. So I think sometimes those two worlds come into 
conflict a bit. And um, there's a lot of nuance of like not getting too sucked into community leader where it's like, we need to make everyone happy no matter what, you know, even if it's a bad decision for the business, we can't be too far into the, you know, just purely business. This is dollars and cents and we're not working with real people here who have, you know, flat lives and families and backgrounds and emotions. Um, so I think, and I think that's particularly challenging for CrossFit coaches and, and, and affiliate owners, because more than most other businesses, we're like really in the thick of both of those. Like the connections we have with people are so much deeper than the more transactional nature of most businesses. So it's definitely like, you know, you look at a perspective as like, I can't believe you're letting that happen from the business owner perspective. But if you kind of shift your perspective a little bit, like, like you said, like, well, what is this relationship? Oh, they went to high school together. They've been friends for 20 years. And if they fire this person, they could ruin their life from their perspective. And, you know, it's just, it's complicated. And, and I, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's rarely helpful just to tell people what to do. Um, but just to ask them the, the right questions to kind of have them begin to, to analyze why they're doing what they're doing or, or why they're resisting doing something perhaps. And I think also just reminding box owners that they're not alone. Sometimes, like you said, box owners live in a bubble and they think, you know, of the 15,000 affiliates, no one else has dealt with this. Like you don't, yeah. we've had that all the time in affiliate you like, no, 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 you don't get it. And I'm like, yeah, we did this, you know, we had the same scenario or we had the same problems or no, 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 I live in a rural area. So my rates need to be $75 a month. Like, no, you, you, you know, you don't, you, you have a Starbucks in your town. You don't live in a, you know, a rural area. So I think it's important to just remind them and, and to be able to have those conversations with other people. Yeah. And I think just talking it out sometimes, like a lot of through the round tables, there was things that came up where people had never just verbalized them to somebody else, explain the situation. It's just this big storm in their head of emotions and complexities that they're, you know, either putting up a wall to or, or dealing with or whatever. And there was sometimes people would just talk through what's going on and people would have a question like, well, how long has this person been around? And, you know, do they get along with other people in the community? What's, you know, and like once they start talking through the questions, it kind of seems obvious, like, yeah, this is not really working, you know? Um, so, you know, again, like I've heard all sorts of questions. I wouldn't call any of them dumb, you know, like nine and a half times out of 10, there's some root virtue they're trying to hold on to, whether it be loyalty to the person or not wanting to shake the boat too much or not wanting to raise their prices, even though they're vastly underpriced because they don't want to, you know, uh, get anyone upset, you know, whatever it might be, get members upset, things like that. So there's usually a good cause. And that I think has been the most unifying thing. I haven't met, you know, really anybody who's just like an affiliate owner is like, just a dick. You're just like not in this thing for the right. And I'm sure they're out there, but you know, the people that I've had the pleasure of talking with, they're all in it for the right reasons. They're all like, I want to help people. This changed me. I want to, you know, push that forward in the world. I want to leave the world a better place than I came in, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think that, you know, we can, we can spin our wheels we can get into situations that are, you know, ineffective or problematic or destructive or whatever, but you know, it's cause we're human. Yeah. Box ownership isn't for everybody. That's why, you know, coaches are out there. You know, that's why, you know, there are other, other career paths. I think box ownership is, it can be the best thing in your life or it can destroy your life if not done, if not yeah. done properly. 
And anything else that you would recommend that box owners consider that they do? I mean, I know that's a very broad question, but you know, maybe what's your go-to, what's your top piece of advice for, for box owners that they might not be thinking about that with your 15 years of affiliate ownership experience, you can say, hey, this was something that truly benefited CrossFit South Brooklyn. I think, um, you know, as I mentioned before, I think that treating your employees like humans is important, um, you know, in terms of like trying to pay them right, trying to create a work environment that makes sense for them, that's sustainable. Um, you know, those, the, the, your, your coaches are the stewards of your business. You know, we, we effectively are in the service industry. We're providing the service of training services of an experience, you know, and a lot of people, I think now, yes, like, you know, obviously there's two things here. Like there's one is that like you, you might have this amazing employee who you think your business really hinges on them and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. You know, but at the same time, like you have to, you have to invest in people. It's the most important thing. Like, I think we're in the business of relationships more than anything else, you know? And I think that if you really invest in the relationships to your staff and your members, it comes back to pay you. It's like, we, you know, I don't have like a business plan. We've never had like, it was just like for many years, just see your pants, like show up and have fun. And I know that's like less sexy now these days because everyone wants to like, you know, what's your ROI and what's your this and what's your that? And I'm like, I don't know, man, we just like have a good time. We treat, we treat people well, we have fun doing it. We try to pay the coaches, you know, living wages and, and, you know, make it fun for them and, and, you know, not burn people out and, and, you know, meet with them. And it's, that's the kind of the work you put in every day. That's a sweat. I could that every single day, you know, your interactions, like that's the most important thing for us. I've said this before, but I'll say, I think like the recipe for any successful affiliate is professional, inclusive, effective, and fun. And if you have those four things, a professional environment, professional coaches who know how to work with people, inclusive, doesn't matter who walks through your doors, you're gonna have a space for that person and you'll be able to meet them where they're at. Effective, are you keeping people safe? Are you getting them better? Are people improving their capacity? Or, you know, that's ultimately what we're doing. And then fun, you know, the title of your pot, this is the best hour of their day you know, especially now more than ever, like for so many people, it really is the best hour of their day. It's the only time they leave their apartment, you know, to go somewhere um, and be around other people. So I think that's like the, the secret sauce that it's general enough that that can be expressed and manifested in, in infinite ways. But I think those are the root things, the professional, inclusive, effective, and fun that if you, if you nail those four things, you're going to, you can't help but be successful. I love it. I think you're absolutely right. And I think if a box owner is listening, they probably need to go back and re-listen because that was great advice. So Dave, before we hop off, I don't think we did this on the original and I don't do this anymore, but because you're an OG, give me the Mount Rushmore of CrossFit. You are Mount Rushmore. My Mount Rushmore? And it's, since it's been a while since your last history class, that's four people. Yeah, got it. <laughs> uh, who is my Mount Rushmore? I'm gonna put Adrian Bosman on there. You know, I'm gonna put Adrian. We all know, we all know you and Adrian are, are super tight. So, what, what, why Boz? Other than he's, you know, potentially your closest friend. Yeah, so Adrian's one of my closest friends. Uh, we met, we hosted a seminar, I think like 2009 or something like that, and we were just fast friends. 
Um, but Adrian's just like, you know, he's, he's been around forever. You know, he's been a part of the community. He's been a, um, a staple of the community for a long time. He, he's just a good guy. Like, you know, he's in it for all the right reasons. He wants to help people. He, he wants to meet people where they're at, you know, he's professional, you know, he always shows up for stuff. And, uh, I don't know. I don't have, I have no limit of good things to say about Adrian. All right. Adrian Bosman. Oh, this is stressful now. Four other people here, three other people. Um, let's throw on, let's put Nicole Carroll on there. OG, you know, I was thinking of the original, the original girls, um, but someone who's been around, I think she's definitely, she's definitely uh, earned her keep there. Two other people. I'm trying to think of like a, a non, someone you would not expect potentially. Let's put, Let's put Jason Ackman on there. I'm gonna put I'm gonna no. grease you up a little bit. I'm gonna you up a little bit, put you on there. No, I mean I think that like, you know, I think what you embody too, I'll I'll say this, is that you have the you know experience as an affiliate owner, but then even after that, you transition to you know trying to help the community, you know, putting out resources to better the community. So I think that kind of speaks to the heart of so much of what CrossFit's really all about is like, you know, leave the room better than when you came in. And it wasn't just like, boom, I'm done with affiliation. Have fun, y'all. Peace, I'm out. You know, it's it's that investment into, so you've seen it from all perspectives, from kind of like the private sector of CrossFit, you know, with your, with your own products that you have, with the seminar staff, with affiliate ownership. I think you kind of, you have that, uh, that spectrum of experience in, in the affiliate community. And then who else? Who else? I'm going to put Chris Spieler on there. I think Chris Spieler, in a lot of ways, I think embodies the, the, you know, the essence of CrossFit of, you know, he can be a top level competitor, but he's a super humble guy, really great guy, runs a great gym, you know, do it, doing it for all the right reasons. And um, you can't be more OG than, than Chris Spieler. I think that's the best Mount Rushmore I've ever heard someone come up with. And it, uh, that's why I'm sweating now. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's interesting. And everybody has a different take. I like it. You know, yours clearly comes from that affiliate mindset, which I think is, is what it's all about. You can't being an affiliate owner is one of those things that is very hard and I wouldn't recommend necessarily turning off. Sure. You know, take time off. Actually the one last question, what's the longest period of time you've, taken away from not including the pandemic but you know whether it's vacation or just not showing up at the box what's the longest period of time you've taken away from south brooklyn probably like 10 days or so you know i mean that's like the longest vacation that i've been on i went to ecuador a little while back um i think that like it would have been easier before so now i'm running a smaller operation where i'm uh, a lot more involved in the hand, like the day to day in terms of coaching classes and stuff like that. But I think, you know, prior to the last several years, like, you know, we have it's kind of classes run, people show up, like it, it's a big enough and it's it, our, our systems are codified enough that, um, you know, I, I'm not someone that needs to be there every single turn, like, you know, make sure everything happens. Like the, the gym will run, but I enjoy being there and I enjoy being part of it, you know? So, even if I am vacation, I want to be invested in it, not because I have to, but because I want to be invested in it and I want to see what's going on. But like, you know, it could, I could, you know, get in a car wreck, you know, this afternoon and, you know, be out for a month and, and 
the gym will continue to run and run well for sure. Let's make sure that doesn't happen. But I, I, you know, I, I, I think that's important. I think, yes, as a box owner, whether it's a week, 10 days, two weeks, if you can't step away for that long, you, you don't have much of a business because the business is running you. So it's, you know, but that's great. You know, we don't say you have to take that time off, but just the, the fact that you could is, yeah. is what's important. So I think, can I add one quick thing? Of course. This is, um, so I was thinking about this, like, you know, this is a big change for us. I think like we're, I think known as a, a large gym, which we are relatively speaking, you know, prior to closure, we had about a thousand active members and it would have hover between like the mid nines and then a little bit over a thousand and the bag, it would kind of go in that range up and down a little bit. Right now we're hovering around low 500, I think 512 is the last time I checked. Um, and, you know, I think that like the pandemic, and this was true of a lot of gyms that I've talked to really hit the reset button. You know, you can just keep going and going. There's a lot of momentum behind things and it's hard to change things. The, the gym that I'm running now feels more like the gym that I had like five, six, seven, eight years ago. And I think that's ultimately a good thing. I don't want to be as big as I used to be. Um, you know, we had, um, a very active, very large membership and, you know, we're still continuing to grow and it's not that I don't want to grow, but I think a lot of people like success doesn't mean you're this giant affiliate. You might have 150 members and if you have a good work-life balance and you can pay your bills and pay your coaches, like that's success, you know? Um, cause being big is a, being a big gym is a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of people managing. It's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of members. It's a lot of wear and tear on the gym. Um, and it's a lot of work. And I feel like it had gotten so big and I had begun to get to a point where I wasn't doing the things that I wanted to do as much. So like right now, like I'm doing, I've got like 15 or so classes a week that I'm doing, which is a little bit more than I want to be doing. I'm going to try to pare that down. Um, I'm doing the programming again. I'm just, it feels, I, I know all the members now, it definitely got to a point where not that you need to know everybody forever, but like there was plenty of people who I had no idea who they were just because the gym had gotten so big. So, and we had big classes. We had classes with two coaches. We would have 25, 30 people plus sometimes. Um, and we were really good at logistics and making it work and communicating and timestamps, you know, but then you hit that reset button and like our classes are 16 right now. And I'm like, I don't ever want to change this. I don't ever want to go more than 16 people. I would rather charge a little more and then provide a better experience for fewer people. Uh, and I'm just really appreciating the simplicity that we, we lost a whole bunch of programs, you know, which in some, some fronts is, you know, sad and things I miss and some things we'll definitely bring back, but bigger is not always better. Just better is better. That's a big thing. I think a lot of people look at Southbrook and like this aspirational, that's what I want it to be. Um, maybe, maybe, yes, maybe no, I've been there. <laughs> like I wouldn't want it to be as big as it used to be. You know, I want to, yeah, go ahead. That's it. No, that's something we preach too. I think you and I, you know, I don't want to say growing up, but kind of evolving in the same era. It was like, yeah, let's get to 200, 300, 500 members. That's what success is where nowadays, you know, I don't own a box, but if I did and the boxes that we work with, it's like, you just need a hundred really badass members that show up that pay your full rate that when you put out a new cool shirt will buy it that when you run murph 
They're going to show up early and stay late. That's success. And turns out you can make more money that way too. If you do it right, you don't need, you know, more members, more problems. If you, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really great. And it's expensive too. It's expensive. Like we, we doubled our space eight years ago. We expanded and you know, as we got bigger, our profit margin started to get smaller, you know, and it's like we had more total money coming in, but it was just more expensive business to run and a lot of stress and a lot of work and a lot of staying on top of a million different programs and people and things and needs. And I think we, we did it as well as you could do it. Um, but I'm definitely appreciating a slower, smaller gym for sure. For sure. Awesome. I love it. Well, in case people don't know where to find you, where can people find David Osorio, Cross to South Brooklyn, et cetera? Um, so the gym is just uh, on Instagram at CFSPK or CFSPK.com. That's our website. Where can you find me? Um, you can email me, CrossFit. Sure. Yeah, I'll just people. What were you saying? No, people love that. Where, where can they email you? Uh, just David at CrossFitSouthBrooklyn.com. Pretty or simple. Yeah, yeah. You can reach out to me, especially if you're especially if you're New York, New Jersey affiliates. Reach out to me if we haven't talked yet as your district rep. Um, but um, yeah, I'm around. I mean, I'm on Instagram. I don't post a ton. Halloween was very, not really posted, so. Very artistic stuff when you do post. So it's always, <laughs> it's always good to get some insight. But it's, it's, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I mean, you and I go, you are perhaps one of my longest tenured friends from CrossFit that wasn't a member of my affiliate. I've told the story. You showed up at the East Coast CrossFit Challenge, the first ever non-CrossFit Games event. You were there to help out with your buddies in your jean shorts, and I convinced you to sign up. So it was really awesome. And ever since then, we've stayed in touch. So really cool. I'm always, you know, super happy to see your success and, uh, Hopefully I'll see you soon, whether it's at the CrossFit Games or another affiliate gathering. Hopefully I'll see you soon. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I remember that. Uh, I remember running that 5K in tennis shoes and jorts. <laughs> Just being like, <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, All man. right, well, All right. thanks again, David. We appreciate you coming on. All right, good to see you, Jason. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time. You've heard me talk about it before, and I'm truly not joking. I'm being 100% genuine. I love Doc Spartan products. I use it every day. I talk about the Sex Panther beard bomb. That's literally what is in my beard right now. And I use all of the scrubs. My favorite being the coffee scrub, just in the shower, gives you the tingles, gives you the feels. I love it. And there's so many other great products. I use their deodorant. I've used their hand care when I've had tears. Just check them out. It's veteran owned, you know, guy that was, in the military, serving our country, Dale. I got to know him over the years and he's just a great dude. And I started buying his products and he reached out to me and said, hey, we want to support the show. And 
we appreciate it. And I just want you guys to not only support Doc Spartan and Dale, but also reap the benefits. If you want to be sexy like me, then you want to check out Doc Spartan products. 15% off with the code best hour. That's best hour for 15% off anything at their website, docspartan.com. Check out the coffee scrub and definitely check out the beard bomb. And ladies, there's stuff for you too. So head on over to docspartan.com, use the code best hour and save 15%.